This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey everyone, Pastel here. Before we get started in today's pod, I just want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, question and answers with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all of the other listening platforms. And the best part is you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program, it is limited, so get your application today. To apply, go to Blue, Blue Wire Hustle, so that's bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description in the box for this episode to find out more. But that's bwhustle.com slash join. Everywhere means mock draft season is here and ready for you guys to be able to dissect our picks here on Prospects 101, the show where we break down football prospects from all levels, high school, college transfers, college recruiting, NFL, and of course, the NFL draft, which is here and we are ready for it on Prospects 101. As always, you can follow us on social media at Prospects 101 Pod, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And again, we are brought to you by our great partners at Blue Wire Pods. Full show today for the first time in a while. Welcome back, Brandon Pastel. (laughs) What's up, man? Had some time over here in the Middle East to, uh, you know, to reevaluate things. I've even come to the conclusion that I think I'd pick uh, Zach Wilson over Justin Fields, but I won't spoil too many uh, surprises here. And uh, I picked up what I think – I think I'm gonna start uh, brewing when I get back. Picked up a, a uh, you know, interest for that as well. Lo- uh, one love that second thing you said. Have you uh, were you able to find that book I gave you on on your Kindle? Dude, I've already read like probably 15 pages of it. It gives you like, the full history of home brewery and everything across you know not only the United States but that, in Europe as well. Yeah, really interesting. Yeah, it's it's when I started home brewing that was the the first book I bought cuz somebody recommended it to me and I've read it about two or three times but it breaks down the science behind it so when you're brewing you're not like a total idiot. Like you you understand like why you're doing <laughs> it. And it doesn't in a very like 
a very conversational way, right, to, where anybody with half a brain can understand what it says. So that's I, awesome, I, man. I, I, have, I have a question, Pastel, and, and I'm curious as to how you got this itch to start brewing because you're in a place, and I won't give away anything, you're in a place where there's literally probably no alcohol around you at all. So how did you go to a essentially dry area and all of a sudden become, like, interested in brewing? <laughs> well, when you have a lot of spare time like I do to not really be playing on or watching a lot of TV and so forth, I started to reevaluate the things I enjoy in life, and beer is one of those. And so I figured, <laughs> why not learn how to make it, understand the process, and I might enjoy it that much more when I get home. Nice. That's fair. I, I was just curious. It was when you texted that the other day, I was like, that is interesting. It's a weird, weird time to start wanting to start brewing beer when <laughs> you were literally like the furthest you've well, probably ever been away from it. I, I'll, t- I'll say this as well since I've been over here is I find myself having a lot more spare time to do things I haven't done for a while. One, just reading. I, I've enjoyed reading a lot. And I started thinking like, when I get back home, like I, I have so much time that I don't utilize correctly just by I just spend time watching TV or you know, doing mock drafts every day. So I was like, well, what can I do when I get back home that could, you know, something that I like, something that interests me and something to fill my time when I get back home. And I thought brewing might be one of those. Nice. I like it. I do. Hey, man, it, it, it's a hobby that you can do for the rest of your life too, right? Like that's kind of as we get older and we won't give away our age on the, on the podcast, but as we get older, it's always nice to pick up skills and hobbies that like you can do for the rest of your life and brewing is one of them too especially get all the uh all the equipment then it just turns into just open season right then you just have like brewing days at your house you're like oh i want to make a porter to get ready for like the winter time like you can easily go do that so good for you man well guys let's get into some top news we have two things i want to cover today i know one thing uh, we'll start with you, Pastel, uh, with this upcoming weekend. We've got football on the way, which is incredible. Uh, I know that I'm a big FCS fan, but Pastel, being a diehard James Madison University fan, I know that you're pumped for this weekend's games. Oh, absolutely. And I'm telling you what, there's going to be good quality football this weekend and for the rest of the spring, just because you're not going to have the legs of somebody like Trey Lance. Uh, and some of the guys that have entered the draft early to prepare, to prepare for the NFL combine or the pro days, more or less, there's still great talent out there. Still all-American talent that will probably get drafted in the next year or two. And we're going to kick off this weekend with, of course, my alma mater, JMU. They're going to be playing Moorhead State. They should dominate that game. But JMU, they, they lost probably 15 stars this past year to include their starting quarterback, Ben DiNucci, who went to go play for the Dallas Cowboys. So, it sounds like Cole Johnson is going to be the starter there. I think he's a Virginia Beach boy. Uh, but, you know, they're going to be they're going to be right back in the mix. There's a lot. This is one thing about FCS football this year is it's anybody's game, in my opinion. I think in, uh, North Dakota State takes one step back, even though I still think they're the number one team. Uh, they go ahead and play at Youngstown State on Sunday, I believe, Sunday or Monday. Uh, so that's going to be a great game. Youngstown is always up there. Other games, South Dakota State versus Northern Iowa, I think probably going to be the matchup of the weekend. South Dakota State is always up there in the top five in Northern Iowa. Of course, they've been a dominant program as well on the FCS level. Uh, but you have other games, you know, VMI versus Chattanooga, Mercer versus Watford, Stanford versus ETSU. I mean, there's talent to be had across all those teams. The depth's not there on the on the FCS level as it is on the FBS level, but definitely tune in this weekend as a start. Of something great. Also, keep your eye on Jackson. Uh, Jacksonville was it Jackson State? Yeah, Jackson, Jackson State. State. Deion yeah. Sanders coach. 
uh, yeah, he begins his coaching career uh, this weekend as well. So definitely a lot of things to keep your eye on. You know, you know what tricked me is I really was thinking the other day, I was like, man, Jackson State's going to be fun because they've got all these recruits and transfers coming in. And then I keep forgetting that <clears throat> they're actually not eligible That's until the fall. <laughs> I'm like, ah, I keep, I keep tricking myself on that. But you know what I found interesting on this schedule? And I'm just going to keep this brief because I want to roll on. But Tarleton State or Tarleton State versus New Mexico State. Do you know what the spread on that game is? By the way, New Mexico State is an FBS independent, so they're a Division One football team. And Tarleton State last year, this is their first year in the FCS. They were a Division Two team. Do you know what the spread of that game is? Fifty-five. I, I don't. <laughs> New Mexico State is only a one-point favorite according Get to Vegas. Get out of here! Get out of here! I swear, dude. Wow. I was looking at the lines the other day. I was like, wait, what? I was like, Tarleton State, who just lost last week um, to, I think, McNeese State. By the way, that was a phenomenal game. Uh, Coach O's son scored a last-minute touchdown, amazing, in overtime. But, um, yeah, Tarleton State is a one-point dog to New Mexico State, an FBS independent versus a first-year FCS school. Wow. (laughs) Unbelievable. Speaking of that, Pasto, you got any good fatties for this one? I I, I mean – I'll get on my FanDuel account and start to start to put in my picks for the weekend. But you got any 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 musts? So without seeing the spreads, I don't have the spreads in front of me right here. But keep your eye out on Elon. I think Elon is one of those schools that is very underrated right now uh, in the CAA. But I can see them finishing in, if not the top two, definitely top three this year. So now without looking at the spread, if that spread is favorable towards Elon, I would definitely take Elon. Gotcha. All right. And I think they played Davidson this weekend, so it'll be a good matchup. Kenny, have you locked any in for this weekend? No, I haven't. I'd glust to be honest. I I don't think there are any um there are no FCS bets on what we use. I think you can only get them on I think you can only get FCS bets uh on offshore books. Ah, interesting. All yeah, right, there's well. no there's no FCS bets on FanDuel that I'm looking at now. Gotcha. Yeah, there's a couple of different books that we that that I work in. So yeah, maybe I'll look at that one. So come all on, right, well, Fanduel. Yeah, I know. Come on, Fanduel. Let's go. Um, all right, kind of second big news of the last two weeks since we haven't been on uh, for a couple weeks. Steve Sarkeesian gets right to work and signs a five-star QB to go to the University of Texas. Interesting. Quarterback is from Southern California. This is the second five-star quarterback Sark has gotten in three years. Plucked him away from Southern California, putting the rest of the Pac-12 on notice. You better lock these guys down in California, Oregon, and Washington, Arizona, and in Utah because Sark is in a perfect position being a guy who is a Southern California kid to be able to go in there and pluck these quarterbacks out. So huge start to the Sarkeesian era there in Texas. You guys, what's your thoughts? Yeah, look, Malik Murphy's a stud, man. I mean, he's a five-star quarterback for a reason. I don't think we really need to drone on about how good he is. But I think you hit the nail right on the head. The big thing about Sark, which will really help, I think he's going to recruit Texas. Well, he's going to recruit well in general, but he'll recruit Texas well. He knows, I think, the importance of putting a fence around Texas for the University of Texas. But he's also going to get the added benefit of having a pipeline through Southern California. And that's how – look, Bryce Young, the – 
elite five-star quarterback that Alabama recruited last year was a USC commit until St- Steve Sarkeesian got in there, wedged himself in, and pried him into, pried him loose and got him into Alabama. And Bryce Young was very adamant Steve Sarkeesian was the reason he went to Alabama. So he's got a, a Southern Cal pipeline, and that's a big deal, man. If you're at Texas, and not only are you recruiting well in Texas, but now you have a coach who can recruit in California, which, you know, arguably California, Florida, and Texas are the three biggest, you know, pipelines for college recruiting right now. I mean, that's, you. if you lock up two of the three biggest states, I mean, as a Texas fan, you've got to be thrilled to see that. Hey, Steve Sarkeesian made uh, Matt Jones probably the fifth what, fifth-best prospect quarterback in this year's draft. And yep. everyone thought he wasn't even going to start more than three games this year. So it's testament of what he can do with a three- or four-star talent. I can only imagine what he can do with a five-star talent. So it's going to be really – you just can't complicate things. Recruit within your own state. You're going to have the talent there. Run your offense, and Texas will be back to what we once thought they were in the, the mid-2000s. Yeah, the only thing that I'll say about this, I think what was interesting is that a lot of the reports that came out about – um, about Malik was that he was being recruited by Sark to go to Alabama. Mm-hmm. And a lot of what was being said, and I was listening to uh, Petros uh, Papadakis, who's uh, obviously a, a well-known college football insider, especially in Southern California. And what a lot of his family was saying was that they, when they viewed Alabama, they viewed Alabama as like the deep South. Right. And um you know that that's where they were kind of weary. Like uh, I don't I don't know if I want to send my son there. I don't know if he wants to go there. What's kind of nice about Texas is Texas is kind of what Southern California used to be, right? A lot of people from California are moving to Texas and moving to specifically Austin, Texas, right? Yeah. So there's a connection there, and so there's a lot of people thinking that Sark is really going to be able to raid Southern California and be able to convince kids that generally go to USC, right? I mean, Southern California, you grow up, and if you play in Southern California, you want to play for USC. That's just the way things are. But there's a lot of consensus out there that Sark's going to be able to grab a lot of these five stars that are in Southern California, be able to draw them to Texas because it's not the deep south that, like, in Alabama is, right? It's just it's a different feel in Texas. And Austin is starting to feel a lot like Southern California. So something really to keep an eye on, guys. I think that's going to be an interesting dynamic here in the years uh, as we're kind of seeing what Steve Sarkeesian does there in Austin for sure. Yep. Yeah, I agree. That's a great point, Gless. I mean, Austin is basically, you know, kind of California light in Texas. So, you know, that's, that's a great point. Well, guys, let's get into the main reason for the show today, and it is mock draft season. And Kenny Keller, you are on the clock. So how this will work for all of our listeners is we'll we'll start and we'll go five picks at a time, and then Kenny will kind of walk through all five, and then Pastel and I will kind of comment on on what we like, what we don't like, players we like, kind of et cetera, we'll have a discussion, but we'll go five at a time. And then that last round will actually end up going uh, – no, we'll just do the last two. That, that'll that be yeah. fine. I'll kind of direct it from there. And, uh, and then after that, we'll kind of do our quarterback breakdown. So, Kenny Keller, you are on the clock. 
Dun, 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 dun. So, so just a <laughs> disclaimer, real quick. So, my mock drafts, how I do them, is how what I would do if I was the GM of these teams. It's not what I think will happen. It's what I what I would do if I was the general manager. So, I just want to make that clear right off the bat versus what I think would happen because this is different than what I think would happen. But this is what I would do. So, number one. Jacksonville Jaguars take Trevor Lawrence, quarterback out of Clemson. I don't think I really need to spend a lot of time on that once-in-a-generation talent. Uh, slam dunk. Uh, I already saw reports that Urban Meyer had given – literally gave him the Jaguars playbook after his pro day and said, study up. So, essentially, that, that pick is all but wrapped up. Second pick, New York Jets taking quarterback Justin Fields out of Ohio State. I go back and forth on Zach Wilson and Justin Fields, but to me, I think Fields has the higher ceiling and is a better prospect, in my opinion. Third overall pick, Carolina Panthers make a trade with the Miami Dolphins to select quarterback Zach Wilson out of BYU. The fourth pick, the Atlanta Falcons select Penny Sewell, offensive tackle out of Oregon. And with the fifth pick, the Cincinnati Bengals select Devonta Smith, wide receiver, Alabama. So my rationale behind the Cincinnati pick because I went back and forth between Smith and Parsons. You know, it would have been Sewell if he would have fell to the Bengals, but he didn't. My rationale was, you know, I like Parsons. Parsons is probably one of my favorite prospects in the entire draft. But if I'm the GM of the Cincinnati Bengals, you know what? I went, I drafted a bunch of linebackers last year in the draft. I think they drafted three or four pastel. You can correct me, but then I'm going to put as much talent around mm-hmm. Joe Burrow as I can, and I can't get an offensive lineman at this point because I think it's too high to draft Rashawn Slater. So I'm going to go ahead and get the Heisman-winning wide receiver at Alabama and just absolutely surround Joe Burrow with as much talent as he needs. Go ahead, Pat. So you take, you take that one too because that number five picked by the Bengals just stands out to me, especially with the receivers that they have there. But go ahead, Pat. So I'd be curious what your opinion is. Did we lose Pastel? It I think we like lost. We I, well, this you know when you're doing a Zoom halfway across the world, sometime this. Sorry, happens. sorry. I, I, there I, we go. Hey, I think I just got you guys back. Uh, I'm assuming you guys were just uh, talking about the Bengals and Devontae Smith and so forth, and why I did not pick Micah Parsons. Uh, honestly, Kenny, just looking at that, I have no no issue with that. I completely agree with actually your top five. I think that's how it will go as well. Uh, you can flip flop Zach Wilson. And Justin Fields, 2-3, I'm okay with either one. I do think it's interesting to think that, you know, the Panthers just picked up Teddy Bridgewater in that contract. And I think everyone saw the writing on the wall almost immediately saying, like, he's not the future. He's a, he's a bridge gap type of quarterback. And it just makes sense for them to trade up and get a guy that could be that franchise quarterback. It, it, as far as the Falcons, yeah, Penny Sewell, you know, generational talent, get the best preps on the board if it's not a quarterback. And the Bengals, I think, honestly, Kenny, they can go so many ways. I, I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if Kyle Pitts is that guy because they don't really have a tight end that can be as dynamic as a Kyle Pitts. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, and then from there, it's either pick your flavor. Do you like Smith? Do you like Chase? Uh, I do agree with Mike Parsons. He's as sexy as he is and as much as I would love to have him. We've used someone that's really necessarily needed anymore for the Bengals. Yeah. Yeah, that one's that one's interesting. I don't have a problem with with the top three at all. I think Zach Wilson to the Panthers would be. I I I could easily see Zach Wilson out of that those three in that situation with a healthy Christian McCaffrey. 
Um, and I, I just think that the Panthers are in a really good position just as a, as a team. I just think they, they underperformed. Second year in a Matt Rule, I could easily see Zach Wilson being the best quarterback at, in his rookie season with that team around him and with that play, with a healthy Christian McCaffrey. I think it's a perfect spot uh, for Zach Wilson personally. Um, you know, but again, Fields and Wilson, you can alternate between those. I think it's just kind of which one you like. Uh, Sewell at four is interesting. I could see the Falcons going there. Uh, I, I think the Bengals, ideally, I think the Bengals would love to see Sewell fall to them at five. Um, I don't have a problem with, with Falcons taking Sewell at four. I think if you see the top three go like that, where you see all quarterbacks taken, I could see the Falcons actually trading out of that spot potentially. Um, if they they had their quote unquote successor to Matt Ryan uh, there and ready, so I could I could potentially see that as well. Um, you know, the only thing I would say say with the Bengals, I mean, it's just you know I I, I, I like the rationale with just putting weapons behind there. I just think the Bengals have a have some other need. I, I actually like the Kyle Pitts idea there, but five may be a little bit too high for Pitts. So could also see the Bengals if they have their eye on Pitts actually trade out of that fifth spot and maybe go to eight uh, or seven or nine and, and when they anticipate pits falling to them. But Kenny Holt, for the most part, I don't have a problem with your top five. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Let's hit uh, six through ten now. So pick at number six, Philadelphia Eagles. I have them taking wide receiver Jamar Chase. Uh, picking seventh, I have the Detroit Lions taking Micah Parsons, linebacker out of Penn State. Picking eighth, I have the Miami Dolphins, who had traded with the Panthers, taking Kyle Pitts, tight end at a University of Florida. Picking ninth, the Denver Broncos are going to select Patrick Sertan, the second quarterback out of Alabama. And then picking tenth, round out the top ten, the Dallas Cowboys picking Caleb Farley, cornerback out of Virginia Tech. Now, <clears throat> I... The Eagles, I, I think, could go a litany of ways. Again, I think it's too early to take Rashawn Slater because um, I could I could definitely see them needing, obviously, an offensive lineman. They desperately need one, but I think it's just too much of a reach. Uh, I think Jamar Chase is the guy there. I think he's the most elite talent there, and I think that that they're going to want to surround – they're going to want to build up I, – I, a lot of people talk about quarterbacks. One, I think it's too high for Mac Jones but because they just traded Carson Wentz. But two, they have Hurts. And three, they're going to be $47 million over the cap. So they're going to have to cut extensively. By the time this pick is made, they could have a need on pretty much every position outside a quarterback at this point. So I think they're just going to take best player available. And to me, that's Jamar Chase. Yeah, I, I like the Jamar Chase pick there. The only thing I'll say about the Eagles is they have equally as worse – of a draft history when it comes to selecting receivers. So, I I mean, you hope you get it right with Chase, but I think Chase there makes a lot of sense to them. They just need, they just need playmakers. I mean, that roster really needs a retooling where you need elite player, elite young players. I like the Lions selecting Parsons there, uh, probably the best defensive player in the draft. So I really like that one. The Dolphins getting Kyle Pitts, man, wouldn't that be, an ideal situation by having Pitts and Jacecki, uh to have right there. I mean, gosh, what a weapon that would be. Um, and then I love the Sertan pick. Uh, Sertan, in my opinion, is the best corner in the draft. He is a man. He's a man corner. Um, I think you see a lot of team. I mean, a lot of teams play basically man concepts. Um, he's he's tall. He's long. He's probably physically, from a, a speed perspective, not the best corner. But I think he's the best 
football player out of the yep. corners. Uh, and he can play a lot of man. He can lock down. He's had to defend the best that the SEC's had to offer. Uh, so I really like that Patrick Sertan pick there right at number nine. I'll tell you what, too. I know a lot of people have had Michael Parsons falling in these mock drafts when we once thought he was a bona fide top five pick in the draft. And I think this is doing a disservice to him, uh, at least those mock drafts, because I think he's more than just an inside linebacker. I think he could play all three spots. I think he could be an edge rusher. I think he is a very dynamic just football player. And I think he's definitely worth the seventh pick to the Lions. He's going to be a three-down linebacker. He's going to get sacked. He's going to put pressure on the quarterback. And he can also – drop back into coverage. I think it's a home run pick by the Lions. I absolutely love it. I think this is exactly what they want to do in that in that system. And really, uh, 6 through 10, Kenny, I really have no no gripes over this at all. I think you're going to see these 10 players, no matter what order it is, and I get to see all these 10 players going in the top 10. Yeah, I felt like 9 and 10 were pretty no-brainers. I mean, the Broncos were starting my boy Isang Bassey at corner at one point this year, and he was an undrafted free agent. And then the Cowboys were giving up like 600 yards in the air <laughs> every game. So I felt like secondary was a pretty much no-brainer for those two. So let's move on to 11 through 15. So with the 11th pick, I have the New York football Giants selecting Rashawn Slater, offensive tackle out of Northwestern. With the 12th pick, I have the San Francisco 49ers selecting quarterback Trey Lance out of North Dakota State. Uh, with the 13th pick, I have the Chargers selecting Christian Darisol, offensive tackle out of Virginia Tech. With the 14th selection, I have the Minnesota Vikings selecting Gregory Rousseau, edge rusher out of the U, Miami. And then uh, with the 15th pick, I have the New England Patriots selecting Jalen Waddle, wide receiver, Bama. To me, the most the two picks that I thought were kind of home runs or, or really slam dunk kind of picks was the 49ers selecting Trey Lance. I think that's a perfect situation for him to go to. I think he can go to the 49ers. He can learn and sit behind uh, Jimmy G out there. And then the 49ers can shed themselves of Jimmy G's contract after next year and then bump Trey Lance into the starting position. Because Trey Lance, I, I think his ceiling could be the second-best quarterback in this draft. However, he is raw, he is inexperienced, and he needs time to develop. And I think if he's able to develop and Kyle Shanahan can sit there and work with him for an entire offseason plus a full season and not have to rush things, I think Trey Lance could be an absolute dynamite quarterback for the 49ers. And then the New England Patriots selecting Jalen Waddell. Jalen Waddell's a great wide receiver. I think this is a perfect spot for him. I think he's a – to me, I see a lot of people saying he's a top-10 pick. I don't necessarily agree with that but I think he is a top 15 pick and I think this is a perfect spot for him uh, the Pats need a wide receiver something fierce this I, to me it's just a no-brainer it really opens up the offense for the Patriots and I, I tell you what the Pats are gonna have to think long and hard about not picking Mac Jones at this point I think he's the exact type of quarterback that they want in that offense he's the type of character guy that I think they like uh, to see in a quarterback and I don't have an issue with these guys, but I think the, the Patriots, where they stand and what Cam Newton is at this point in his career, I think they look long and hard at Mac Jones at 15. I thought about Mac there, but you know who I think the Pats end up taking at quarterback? Or somehow uh, they end up with them. And I don't Jimmy necessarily – <laughs> No, 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 no. I, I, I think they end up signing Ryan Fitzpatrick, to be honest. I think he's their starting quarterback next year. But you know who I think they end up drafting later in the draft? And I'm not a huge fan of this guy, but I think if he went to the Pats, this is the one place where he could be successful because Bill knows how to build a system around a quarterback, and that's Kyle Trask. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's a good point. I could definitely see that. Uh, I like I like the Darisol pick with the Chargers. I think that makes sense. You got to protect Herbert. Uh, Herbert had a fantastic rookie year. I think the Giants also make a lot of sense, right? You got to start to build up that offensive line. Um, Waddle Waddle be interesting because the Pats generally don't take receivers this high. So I kind of agree with Pastel. I I I, I could see them going in a multitude of directions here. Um, I'm not sure that they. I, they they just tend to don't do this, so this would kind of fall outside of generally what they normally do. I think the Lance pick, and everybody knows how I feel about Lance. Um, if there's a spot for him to go in the first round, this is it, right? I, I think you're 100% right. I think he's got to go to a situation where he sits behind. He, he sits behind someone he learns for a year until he's able to kind of take over the reins and, and develop a little bit. Um, and that offense is – probably more suited for him more than any other offense because it's a lot of play action, moving outside the pocket, wide zone, a lot of slides, um, you know, flood routes, things like that, uh, run pass options. So if there is a spot for him to go, that's where he'll go. Um, if not, I think you see him fall tremendously uh, into the late first just because I just, I just don't think he's a really a good fit for a lot of places. But the 49ers are a really great fit for him. Um, and then the Vikings with Rousseau. Edge rusher is a very interesting spot in this draft because Rousseau, as everybody knows, he sat out, and there's not, like, fantastic can't-miss edge rushers here. And a lot of guys have really good film from this past season, Um, you know, Pay being one from Michigan. I would say uh, Quincy Roche, the other edge rusher out of Miami, also had some great film from this year. So interesting that you took Rousseau as the top edge guy on the board, um, again, who didn't play in 2020. That's the only thing that I would just question. Yeah. Well, also, I would, I, would, I would say Mike Zimmer has been known to maximize, you know, the athletic ability of defensive players, and that's why they draft them the way they do in that defensive scheme. So I think if there's a team for him to go to, I think it's the Vikings and Mike Zimmer for Gregory Rousseau to definitely succeed. Yeah, and I think the Vikings have been trying to find uh, some answers at edge. You know, they traded for Yannick Ngankwe uh, at the beginning of the season for a third-round pick, and then when their season just absolutely started tanking, they actually flipped him to the Ravens for a third-round pick. So um, I think they're I think they're still searching for an edge rusher. That's what made me pick them. Um, you know, let's hit 16 through 20, and Gless is going to be a little hurting over this, but uh, here we go. So 16, the Arizona Cardinals select J.C. Horn, cornerback out of South Carolina. At 17th pick, the Las Vegas Raiders select Jeremiah Owuso-Kumamara, linebacker out of Notre Dame. At the 18th pick, the Chicago Bears make a trade with the Dolphins, who trade back once again to jump the Washington football team to select Matt Jones, quarterback out of Alabama. With the 19th pick, the Washington football team, without their quarterback, select Rashad Bateman, wide receiver from Minnesota. And with the 20th pick, the moved down Miami Dolphins get an offensive lineman to protect Tua with, with Elijah Vera Tucker, offensive lineman at a USC. Interesting. I like that Bears trade, by the way. That's actually not a bad spot for Mac Jones to go. Um you know, the the Washington football team, being a Washington football team fan, Rashad Bateman, I don't hate it. I don't I don't I don't love it either. It's just kinda of blah. I don't know. He kinda of reminds me of the, the last time we picked a receiver in the first round. Um you know, out of all the receivers, you know, the top six or seven, Bateman's probably my least favorite. 
So, yeah, maybe I don't like that pick at all, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll I, I tell you what, I, though, if the Dolphins are able to – go ahead. No, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, I, I, if the Dolphins, if they're able to land, land Tucker in this, I think it's a home run draft for them. If they're able to keep trading back, building up that draft capital, but really get an all-time – one of the greatest tight end prospects that we've seen in Kyle Pitts and then pick up one of the better – probably offensive guards. I would argue Tucker's a guard from USC. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. that would just be a home run pick for them on the offensive line and surround them with talent around uh, with Tua. So this would be a great yeah. draft for the Dolphins if it goes this way. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a decent track. Just on that point, though, and I know we've kind of talked about it offline, you know, the Dolphins were 10-6 and last year, right? So I think that the Dolphins – now, I don't disagree with the direction here. Um, I think that this is a way that they could go. The other thing to consider is, um, you know, for me, like what are are the guy or guys that can get you over that hump, right, that can compete with the Bills to then be 11-5, and 12-4, 13-3? I think Pitts is, could be a guy like that. Uh, but the, uh, you know, Vera Tucker will be interesting, right? Is he, is he that good of a prospect coming out that they'd be willing to trade back where he's, he's best on the board? And, and I don't know. I, I don't know enough about Vera Tucker to say yes or no. But uh, it's an interesting pick for sure. Well, and so I don't necessarily advocate because I think you, you guys are probably like, well, Kenny was just talking in our group chat with Riley that the Dolphins shouldn't trade back, that they need to – like I have that line of thinking that you have, Gless, where I went through and kind of was playing through the scenarios in my head. I think the need for these teams to get their quarterback in the draft capital that they're probably going to offer up to the Dolphins is just going to be too much to pass up, especially because I don't have them moving down that far. Like I I didn't necessarily want to have them moving down from three to like 15 or three to 12, but three to eight, I was like, okay, that's five spots. And then 18 to 20, I was like, that's two. That's not that much of a Delta considering that they probably would draft Elijah Vera Tucker or Samuel Cosme right there at 18. Anyway, if the bears are going to trade, want to jump Washington to get their guy because they think Washington might take Mac Jones. I felt like to me that was just a, a just decision for the Dolphins. But I do I do kind of subscribe to what you're saying, Les. So it's kind of yeah. I'm kind of stuck in the middle. Yeah. Um but let's get 21 through 25. Uh, the Indianapolis Colts who now have their quarterback in Carson Wentz are going to go and draft Samuel Cosme, offensive tackle out of Texas. The Titans will shore up the defense and draft Quiddy Pay, edge rusher out of Michigan. The New York Jets, with their second first-round pick, will draft Glessner's boy, Najee Harris, running Love back it. out of Bama. Love it. Steelers, the Steelers, the Pittsburgh Steelers will draft Landon Dickerson, interior offensive lineman from Alabama, to really shore up that O-line. And then my Jags, with their second pick of the first round, will attack that league-worst 153 yards given up rushing a game with drafting Christian Barmore, interior defensive lineman out of Alabama. And I think uh, talk about perfect locations. This is where I would have thought Trey Lance to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Talk about the most ideal situation. If there was any way for him to fall, I think the Steelers would be perfect with Big Ben probably having one more year, similar big body quarterbacks. Uh, If there's a system for him to, you know, grow into, has tons of receiving talent, that all you have to do is just get the ball into their hands and they're going to take off with it. I think Trey Lance would be a perfect fit for the Steelers, but can't knock the Landon Dickerson pick because, I mean, they just had their uh, 
all pro center. He just retired. Their left yeah. tackle's up for free agency. So that whole entire line wasn't good to begin with. They couldn't run block. Probably one of the worst run blocking teams in the NFL last year. So if you can get a guy like Lander Dickerson, definitely I would get him if you can't get somebody like Trey Lance to build a future around. Yeah. I like the Cosme pick at 21 for the Colts. Um, that, you know, kind of making a strength a further strength, right? Colts generally have uh, one of the premier offensive lines, and you just kind of strengthen the strength there, especially giving Carson Wentz all he needs to really kind of get his career under wraps. So I think that's a good one. And then Christian Bar- uh, Christian Barmore out of Alabama, right? I mean, he had a really great season this year. Um, he was actually a, a part-timer a year ago, um, but really had an outstanding season to the point where, you know, he could declare and be a first-round draft pick. And, you know, just like edge rushers, like interior defensive line is kind of lacking in this draft, I guess I would say, as far as kind of top-tier talent. But I think, man, if the Jags can get the premier interior defensive lineman at pick 25, that's incredible value. Yeah. Yeah, I'd be excited with Christian Barmore at 25. I think the Jacks would go a lot of different directions at 25, but I just feel like giving up 153 yards rushing a game, they've got to do something to address that defensive line. So let's power through here the rest of the draft, 26 through 32. I have the Cleveland Browns taking Zayvon Collins, linebacker out of Tulsa. With the 27th pick, the Baltimore Ravens taking Aziz Ujolari, edge rusher out of Georgia. The 28th pick, the Saints taking Boogie Basham, defensive end, who also plays some interior line as well out of Wake Forest. The 29th pick, the Green Bay Packers select Rondell Moore, wide receiver out of Purdue, personally my favorite receiver in the entire draft. The 30th pick, the Buffalo Bills select Jalen Phillips, defensive end, Miami. The 31st pick, the Chiefs upgrade that woeful offensive line we saw in the Super Bowl by selecting Trey Smith, offensive guard out of Tennessee. And then rounding out the first round, your Super Bowl champion, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I had to smile with this one because I kind of just like to see the world set on fire. They add another weapon on offense in draft, Kadarius Toney, wide receiver at mm. the University of Florida for Tom Brady just to have fun throwing to. <laughs> yeah, I tell you what, that does that does make a lot more sense when you look at contracts. You look at uh, Chris Godwin going to be a free agent, probably going to go somewhere else. You look at uh, Antonio Brown, how many more years does he have left there? So definitely getting a young, upcoming receiver, not a bad idea. I will say, I know it makes sense the Packers would pick Rondell Moore, but I feel like we have a, the Packers picking a stud receiver every single year, and it just never never happens. They're just going to find another way to disappoint Aaron Rodgers. So I would expect the same this year. Uh, I do like the Browns with Zayvon Collins. Just keep on building to that defense. That's a home run pick in my opinion. I will say I'm a little shocked to not see – I don't think – you don't have one safety going at all in the first nope. first round. I'm, I'm, I'm a huge safety guy too. I like a lot of these safeties, and Trevon Morig was probably the one guy I considered – and I'm sure one will end up sneaking in, but honestly, I just don't think there's a first rounder to me in this draft. Like I like a lot of these guys as second and third round picks. I love them, but I don't love any of these guys in the any of the safeties in the first round. I just don't. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I don't know why I thought maybe the Jags would be looking at one, but you like you said, they've got a lot of holes probably on that defense to address. Yeah. So Christian Barmore makes sense. Yeah, and you know what? I agree with you, Kenny. I, I I like the safety class. I think there's a lot of NFL starters there, guys that will start for a lot of years. 
But I don't I don't see any bona fide first rounders, right? I like Mo Rig a lot, but you know, Mo Rig is kind of a traditional center fielder, right? Um, you know, he's a guy that you know, it plays in between the hashes, right? A lot of cover, you know, cover one, cover three guy. You know, are you going to spend a first round draft pick on that guy? I mean, is he generational? Um, probably not generational. He's a, he's a darn good player, though. Well, so, I, the, you know, I, I would I would agree with you on that. I I think that makes sense. And the thing with the safety class is, they're just the problem is there was a there's a lot of injuries to big guys. So like. You know, you have you have guys like Andre Sisco who could have been a first round pick, but he tore his ACL. And then you yeah. had guys like Paris, Paris Ford, Ford, Javon yeah. Holland opted out the, the whole year. Talonia Hufalanga at a USC, I love a lot, but he's just kind of not quite the elite athlete you want to take in the first round. Hamza Nasril Dean didn't have a great season. Honestly, the one guy, and I think he stood out at the Senior Bowl. Who, who could probably make a play for the first round two outside of Trayvon Morig is maybe Richie Grant. But I, I think those are your two best, Trayvon Morig and Richie Grant, but I still don't think either one of them go in the first round. Yeah, I mean, I, I would agree with that a lot of assessment, especially with a lot of those guys that we thought were going to have big seasons, and they just kind of had eh, eh seasons. I guess I love the Kadarius Tony pick right there, especially with – you know, like Pastel was saying earlier with Chris Godwin, more than likely departing from the Buccaneers and essentially taking a page out of the Kansas City Chiefs and getting a guy who's just like the Cheetah to get in there to really expand a expand a team vertically, right? So have him, Mike Evans on the other side, or shoot, you could you have Antonio him on the same Brown. side. I mean, just unbelievable that the kind of the kind of um, athletes that you would have on there. I do like the Zayvon College pick a lot, especially with a up-and-coming Browns team that needs help on defense. Um, I like that you went linebacker there and not safety because they have, you know, they, they drafted Grant Delpit last year in the second round and, you know, I think he, I think he, uh, something with his he knee. Got hurt. Think, yeah, he got, yeah hurt. got hurt, so he didn't play, so he'll come back and be a starter. Uh, and I agree with Pastel's assessment. That's a home run the, pick right there for sure. The pick, the pick that has me salivating the most <clears throat> is Rondell Moore to the Packers. Dude, I'm telling you, you put Rondell Moore on the Packers with Aaron Rodgers, and he goes for 1,300 yards for a season and just blows up. You put Rondell Moore with a quarterback who can throw the – you put him on the Bills, you put him on the Chiefs, you put him on the Bucks, you put him on somebody with a quarterback, and that offense is going to explode. Yeah. That's pretty uh, – that's, that's crazy to think about, man. But, no, I, I it's hard for me to disagree. So, uh, got a few minutes left, guys. Kenny, kind of your favorite pick. Um, you know, this is what you – this is what you would do. Uh, maybe your, your – your, best pick of your whole mock draft and maybe the one that you were kind of the most leery about. Hmm. So my favorite one, I mean, I think you just heard me say it, Rondell Moore to the Packers. I think to me, that's my favorite pick. Um, or, you know, honestly, and, and I was going to sound favoritism. I do like the saints taking Boogie Basham at 28. I think he's, they're going to be in some cap trouble and he's a guy who can play multiple positions. So why not draft a guy who you can use at a couple different spots to help ease some of the cuts you're probably going to end up having to make. Um, those two were probably my favorite picks. Um, my least favorite pick, I guess I should say, I, I don't love Devonte Smith to the Bengals. Like I, I'm just personally not a fan of taking wide receivers that high. Um, 
so that's probably my least favorite pick of the draft. I think that's the one that I think the Bengals – I just don't know what the Bengals do in that situation. I, 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 Dude. I, 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 the, part, the Parsons, I don't think they're going to take because they drafted so many of those linebackers last year. Um, and then I, there's not offensive linemen to take. I mean, it's really I, – I think it comes down to at five. If they don't trade back, which if they – I don't think they can trade back if three quarterbacks go one, two, three. Unless someone is that high on Mac Jones or Trey Lance, I don't think there's going to be anybody who trades up the five to take any of those guys. So if they're stuck at five, I think Smith or Pitts has to be the pick there. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree as being a Bengals fan. I I would not be surprised, and the more and more I read into it, that if the lineman is not there, then they sold, which we are just praying that he falls there. I can see Kyle Pitts being the pick. And now that sounds high for a tight end. I understand it, but he's like a wide receiver playing tight end. And we just haven't seen a prospect like this. So why not give Joe Burrow that safety blanket? As much as I would love to have another receiver, I agree with you, Kenny. Just historically speaking, it just doesn't work out usually unless it's a Julio Jones or A.J. Green. (laughs) Pasto, out of this mock, who's who's kind of the pick here that you're like, man, that's a fantastic pick? And which one are you are you most leery of of Kenny's mock so, draft? I, I, I'll tell you this straight up, and this is not a sexy pick whatsoever. But the New York Giants picking Rashawn Slater. I mean, it, if you want Saquon Barkley to be Saquon Barkley again, build up that offensive line. If you want Daniel Jones to be to have a chance at being a franchise quarterback, continue to build up that line. I know they picked Andrew uh, Thomas last year, I believe, in the first round. Just keep on building that line. And the great thing about Rashawn Slater is he can play pretty much virtually all five positions across that line. So he's a plug-and-play, first-day starter, no matter where he has to be on that offensive line. I think it's a home run pick by the New York Giants. Not sexy at all, but definitely the pick. If I had to pick something that I'm wary about, I guess, more or less, oh, man, that's tough. Honestly, we talked about a little bit earlier, Jalen Waddell. I just don't know what to think about him. Like, I know he's got the speed. I know he's got a little wiggle in some stuff. I don't know if the pads are the right spot for him. Because they can do – I mean, how many receivers do we know in the Patriots system that we never heard of before? They were in the NFL, and they ended up being decent receivers. I, the last time they picked somebody was the guy from Arizona State, and he ended up, not, ended up really not doing anything so far in the NFL. So, yeah. I don't know if you really use that capital draft another wide receiver. I think that's something you maybe address in free agency. Yeah, that 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 one stood out to me. My my two, so the one pick Kenny that I absolutely love on here, Zach Wilson to the Panthers. I think you could see him be an instant starter in that system. Matt Rule, um, Christian McCaffrey, you know some some of the the offensive talent that they have there. I think that's a match made in heaven. Personally, uh, Zach Wilson to the Panthers. I absolutely love that pick. The 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 two other picks that I was kind of leery of, and you kind of touched on it a little bit earlier, so I'm not going to get into it. Um, Devontae Smith to the Bengals, that one just seems like an odd fit to me. They could certainly do that, but, you know, there's other needs too, and and I actually thought that the Bengals' receiving core wasn't – Yeah, I think they have some weapons there. So that one was leery. The only other one that I'm leery of, and I'm not leery of the player. Let let me make that point very, very clear. I love Najee Harris, right? If there's a first-round running back, it's this guy. He's a three-down back. He can do it all. Going to the Jets with all of the holes that they need to fill, I think is a, a bit of a stretch for me. I think I think ideally I could see him go to the Bills at 30. Um, I could see him potentially going uh, elsewhere, but I think the Bills at 30 makes a lot more sense. And I'm not sure that the Jets reach on Harris 
there just with all the other needs that they have. Um, but again, those would be the only two. Other than that, man, nicely done, Kenny. It, it's sometimes it's really tough with no combine, right? All these rumors coming out to come out with a mock draft with trades, but very nicely done, dude. Nice, uh, nice job. Excited to evolve my 2.0 going from here on out. Love it. Oh yeah, and free agency is going to change a lot here, uh, yep. beginning yep. our middle of March. Yep. Yep, no doubt, no doubt. Well, as always, you can add Prospects 101 to your weekly football routine by following us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Please make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcast platform as well to stay up to date with all of our episodes. For Pastel, Kenny, I am Gless. We'll see you next week with some more quarterback breakdowns and an additional mock draft.